Welcome to City Talk with Sabrina Bangle and Lee Bettis. Well, good morning and welcome to City Talk here live on 107.5 with Sabrina and Lee. Today, Sabrina is off uh, touring the, what is it, Tuscany? Uh, yeah, she's headed to uh, the beautiful part uh, of Italy, sounds like. She's up. She just called. She's off <laughs> in Tuscany uh, tasting wine and oil, olive oil, I guess. And some uh, vinegar or whatever else they do up there in, uh, in, in Italy. She's, uh, she said she's loving it. You can follow her on her Facebook page where she's doing Facebook Lives uh, every day just about. It's beautiful. We miss Sabrina. Hey, uh, this morning, sitting in for Sabrina, or should I say babysitting for Sabrina, would be, uh, would be Dave McFadden Sr., the legendary Newburn New attorney, a former assistant district or a former district attorney here in in, in Newburn. Good morning. Good morning, Lee. Well, uh, great to be back with you this weekend. Yeah. It's a uh, the today we're going to do the second part of uh, the second part of introducing you to the Superior Court judges uh, in the three B judicial district. Last week we had Robert Mack be on, uh, who told us all about why he wants to be or why he thinks he should be Superior Court judge. This morning, um, when we get into it, we're going to have Josh Willie on, longtime Newburn. Uh, attorney, and uh, he's going to tell us why he wants to be su- uh, Superior Court Judge. Good morning, Josh. Good morning. How are y'all? Good morning, Josh. Good to have you here, buddy. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You really, really, really look good. Well, thank you. For, the, for those of the, <laughs> for those of us, I, I guess you can you can see on Facebook, Josh is dressed up way more than I ever did because I, I didn't realize that uh, we actually were on TV too. That's a pretty low bar, Lee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gracious. <laughs> I know. It's, I, I have a low Good bar. Good start, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's absolutely right. Some people ask me if my dog dresses me in the morning, and uh, Charlie does dress me. Hey, uh, before we get into Josh and the race, um, Sabrina wanted me to let you know she'll be back uh, next Friday. There are a lot of things going on in the city. Uh, there's a, a bunch of workshops that happened in the city this week. Um, that that you know they're deciding how to the city's deciding how to spend a lot of money um, in the next year uh, before the election comes out. They're talking about new roads and and uh, you know paving in Oaks Road. They're talking about trans moving the the uh, uh, some offices out on on Noose. It's the sewer tree, uh, the sewer um, location out there where the guys do the sewer renovating out there. They're talking about doing major upgrades in Lawson Creek Park. They're talking about spending loads and loads of money. Uh, Sabrina and I are going to delve into that because that's what we do. Um, she's chomping at the bit. We're also going to be um, possibly having a guest uh, who lives in the new renovated Craven Terrace. And she's going to be coming on and talking to us about great, how it is to, to live in the new uh, Craven Terrace. And now next week going to be Mumfest weekend in uh, Newburn. Is it really? Yes. I think that's right, isn't it? <laughs> well, that's what it the- is, yeah. That's they're putting up the uh, they're putting up the electric booth power right boxes. Now. Yeah, uh-huh. aha. That's the reason they're putting up the temporary power poles downtown and marking off the spaces. This is the best time of year to be living in. Oh, it is. It, it's absolutely. Anybody who hasn't ever come down for that event needs to because it's a it's a beautiful opportunity and always new and interesting things every year. And l- let me tell you another great thing about let me tell you another great thing about Newburn. This morning I went, and I'll give McDonald's a plug. Um, a little-known coffee restaurant just opened up in New Bern. It's called McDonald's. I don't know if you've heard of it. <laughs> but I was driving through getting my morning coffee, and the car in front of me this morning paid for my coffee. Really? Yeah. Did, just, is there any possibility you knew the people? I, I, I'm not Did you recognize anybody? I, I will say <laughs> that they were recognizable, and I'm not going to mention who they were. But um, 
I will say that that's a wonderful thing. That that's you know, it's a small town. People know each other. People care about each other. Fantastic. And 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 it really, really, really. Um, I liked it. It it really is. And uh, you know that whole concept. I think I think if all of us tried to project a little bit more positive attitude and, and tried to speak to folks whether we know them or not. Uh, we might uh, might see a little bit of difference in our country, in well, our community. And, of course, we have a great community for that. We have a very friendly community here. We, we do have a friendly community. And I'll tell you what, from, from the people who work in the electric department who are coming out, uh, guess what? We're, we're, there may be a hurricane coming in next week, so those people will be out there working to you. To Newburn's finest, our Newburn Police Department. Absolutely. You know, that we're a small town. They know who you are. Our PD is friendly. They're there to help you. And you really get the sense that they're there to protect them. Serve. And so I'm going to give a shout out to Newburn's PD this morning because they're out there uh, today and every day um, making this a great place to live. They're out there standing between the good and the bad. And uh, I think uh, oftentimes the public doesn't see an officer unless, you know, the average working person, unless it's a traffic matter. Uh, but they make the difference in our community, and we have a great police department here. We're blessed. Are, are, we're defense attorneys. Should we be talking so highly of our, <laughs> of our police attorneys? <laughs> I, well, we should recognize uh, I a do good recognize job when it, it occurs. So, yeah, yeah, and that's the whole deal. We do recognize it. With that being said, why don't you introduce uh, Josh? Josh, and we welcomed you already. It's good to see you again. You and I have known each other for quite a long time. And uh, as, as, in case folks are listening today that weren't last weekend, uh, last Friday, uh, we had Robert McAfee last week. Uh, we have a vacancy in the Superior Court uh, judgeship in our district, and I won't go through all of the uh, the uh, aspects we discussed last week concerning Superior Court, but that's an eight-year office, and we call them down-ballot races because with the presidential races, the gubernatorial races, the Senate races, lots of times some of the more local races don't get much attention. But a Superior Court judge is a very important person uh, in the judicial system. Uh, Is that correct? That is true. The Superior Court judge presides over every criminal jury trial in state court in North Carolina, uh, sentences everyone who pleads guilty or is convicted in that court. And here's the the civil cases involving the more significant amount of, of money if you exclude domestic cases family law cases and as we talked about last week <clears throat> excuse me oftentimes people talking talk about the judicial decisions on the constitutionality of laws that first decision on on the constitutionality of a law is generally made usually made by a superior court judge that's correct um I, I, I firmly believe that it's not the place of a superior court judge or any judge to be making law. You know, that's uh, something the legislature does for us, the oath of office we take. We, we, we promise to apply the laws that are of this state, which are the laws adopted by the legislature, and the Constitution of the United States. And my belief is we apply it as it was uh, drafted by our forefathers. Let me back up a little bit with you first to kick this thing off. Tell us, tell, uh, tell us a little bit about your background, where you're from, what brought you to Newburn. I'm, I'm from Gates County, North Carolina, which is in the northeastern part of the state. Uh, if you're not familiar with Gates, the, the best way to think of it is Pamlico County without the water. Uh, <laughs> it's about right. the same size, about the same population. Uh, Historically, it's been an agricultural and, and uh, timber 
uh, have been the, the primary industries up there. And like I say, it doesn't have the water that Pamela Coast what, What's the big with. city up there? Well, the, the county seat is Gatesville, but Gatesville does not have the county stoplight. The stoplight <laughs> is in Sunbury. So it is like Pamlico County because the county stoplight there is in Grantsboro. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Hold on. All right. I'm going to pull a Yankee card in. What in the world's a county stoplight? <laughs> well, if you only have one in the county, it's the county stoplight. All right. <laughs> taking notes, taking yeah. notes. All right. I think Pamlico has two now, though, don't they? Don't they have one there in Bayboro? Yeah, they? they do now. Yeah. I think the first one's in Grantsboro. Mm-hmm. But at any rate. Uh, some people might notice you seem to have a little bit of an accent. Gates County is right on the Virginia border, is it, it not? It is. It's uh, about uh, my home place up there is about an hour from downtown Norfolk and Portsmouth. And in, in many ways, Gates was uh, about as much a part of Virginia as it was North sure. Carolina. Yeah. I mean, all the TV stations, the newspapers were primarily from Virginia. Dave, Dave. Um, last week, just because sometimes we get new people and they're listening, uh, let's put it in perspective. We have in, in our, our judicial system here, we start out the, the lowest level, I guess, are the magistrates the, um, who, are, are an appointed, um, who are an appointed official. Then we have district court. Go through and can you just explain to the folks at home what we have, what the, what the significance is for you, the, the levels of, 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 of judicial interactions we have, judges? Well, we, we have three trial levels in North Carolina. The lowest level is the, the magistrate level. They hear evictions, uh, other civil cases in which it's not a whole lot of money involved, and set, usually set the initial bonds for persons charged with crimes. Above that, we have the district court division. District court tries all misdemeanor cases initially. Uh, they don't hold any criminal jury trials in that court. They do uh, some civil jury trials, generally uh, cases in which the amount in controversy is less than 25000 And then probably the most important things they do is they, they trial your family law cases, you know, child custody, uh, domestic violence, uh, anything involving the dissolution. All of, the family law issues. Yes. Divorce. Divorce. Uh, also juvenile matters, DSS court. That's what's heard in that court. And then we move up to the Superior Court, which uh, which is what is what you're running for. Um, so you're you're in Gates County, and I just so, you know when you're on radio, you know, you never know what people know. You know right. different people move. So we kind of reiterate a little mm-hmm. bit. We reiterate. So you're in Gates County. You grew up there. Um, where'd you go to college? I went to Wake Forest, and when it was in Winston Salem at the time I went. Of course, it's still in Winston. So I went to undergrad school there. A lot of people don't know why folks say that, but actually Wake Forest <coughs> College was in the town of Wake Forest uh, in Wake County. Uh, that's where that college was originally built. Now, you know a lot more about it than I. I didn't mm. go to Wake Forest, but uh, the tobacco money, uh, was, uh, as I understand it, back in the 50s. That, that's correct. It was the, then the, they moved it? Yeah. yeah. The, the college was in. Learning something new every it, day. It was, it was a Baptist school in, in the town of Wake Forest, right outside of Raleigh. They had the Baptist seminary there. They also had the, the college itself. In the mid to late 50s, the Reynolds family wanted a university in Winston-Salem. So they donated the land and the money to build the initial campus. And in the 
I guess it was the late 50s, the school actually moved to Winston. The seminary remained in the town of Wake Forest. So you went to the one in Winston? I did. And what did you study? I was a history major. Uh, that is, you know, and that's lot, that feeds right into the law. Uh, Absolutely, that it feeds does. right into the law. So you, you, you're there. You're um, you, you get your you get your degree, and you say, "All right, now what do I do?" Well, I, I you know, I thought about wanting to go to to law school and be a lawyer for for some length of time, and and part of it is part of the reason for that, I guess, is where I grew up. And then part of it was maybe my attitude. I wanted to to find a job or a profession in which I could. Uh, help people have a tangible, positive influence on folks. And when you grew up in Gates County, there were basically three professions that people respected for what they did. We had our preachers, we had our lawyer, because at that time it was one lawyer in the county, and we had our doctors. And so they were the Role models. They were the role models. If Mm -hmm. you were looking for what can I do that people will respect me for the type of work I do and the positive influence I have in the community, they were three natural things to consider. And and I was more attracted uh, to law, uh, much to the chagrin of my grandmother. I uh, did not choose to go into the ministry. She She kept reminding me, even when I was in law college, she said, it's not too late, Josh. You know, Pat Robertson had a law degree before he went to the ministry. <laughs> did he really? Yeah. Yes, that's exactly. Mm-hmm. All right, and so then you, you get out and you decide you're going to be a lawyer. Where do, you, uh, where do you go to law school? I went to Wake Forest. Oh, again in Wake Forest. Mm-hmm. Spent seven years there. And uh, any particular uh, recollections from law school? Was there anything that gave you any particular focus? I know folks think... Sometimes folks think you go into law school with an idea about what you want to do when you get out, and most of us don't uh, because it's really a – I found law school Come on, be, David. You knew exactly what you – I mean, honestly, you went in there knowing I, you I were going to be you, a criminal there, uh, either on the prosecutor's – you had to have. There, you're a natural trial attorney. There's only one thing I knew, which was I wanted to come home to Newburn. That was the only thing I knew when I went to law school. I wanted to come to Newburn and practice law. But did you have any particular interest going in, or did you just develop it as you were uh, – well, I, I, I was more interested in, in a trial practice, more interested really in, in criminal trial practice. Than, litigation. Than the, yeah, litigation than, than the other areas. Yeah, You know, it's interesting because we have three litigators sitting here, and I would dare say most attorneys are not litigators. Yeah, it, it goes into that, and we, I try to explain it to people. In England, they have that whole system where they have barristers who actually go in front of the bar, and, and they do stuff up there, and then you have solicitors, you have your, solicitors, yeah. your corporate guys, this, that. I knew when I went in that I that I wanted to. I, I did. I, we had trial practice there, and when I started that, I thought, I like this. Yeah. You it, know, it's. It, it, you're, look, here's what we do for a living. Every day we get up and we get to go and we get to we get to talk to people. We get to use our brains. We get to try and we get to use our ethics. We get to use a, a lot of who we are as people to go out and, and try and help our clients. And and you did that. You've done that on both sides. I, uh, yeah, and, exactly. Hey, you know what? Let me ask you something. Doing that on both sides and you know people go, hey, well, how can you be a defense attorney or how can you be a prosecutor? It's 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 this. You're using the same skills. How do well, you integrate that? I, I think oftentimes people have, and, and I felt this way when I was the dis, during the time I was district attorney. They said, "Well, how could you ever be a defense attorney?" I said, "Listen, you shouldn't criticize those folks because the system can't work unless you have representation 
on both sides. So if you didn't have, you could have all the prosecutors in the world, but if you didn't have people who would function as defense attorneys to represent people, you could never get anything done. So, uh, you know, defense attorneys have a high calling. Now their highest calling is to represent their clients within the law. So uh, within the bounds of the law, the rules of professional conduct exactly. and, and everything there, else. And there are instances where, you know, it's like every other profession, be it police, lawyers, whatever. The worst examples seem to be the ones that get the most publicity. And they're, they're the aberration. You're absolutely That's right. That's exactly right. But the fact of the matter is for every one of those bad apples or worst examples, there are dozens and hundreds of others that are doing their jobs professionally. Well, and, and to have justice in courts, you have to have both sides of any issue, whether it's in civil court or sure. in, in criminal court, uh, represented by good lawyers. Otherwise, you, you, you don't have ju- – I mean, you need advocates on both sides uh, to get to justice. And then, of course, you depend on especially a superior court judge where you're dealing <clears throat> with the most serious uh, crimes uh, and, and civil matters in, a, in that context. They're a gatekeeper. Mm-hmm. They're the person that sits up there, and they make sure that the, as, as it relates to criminal, they make sure that the prosecution is, is, is or doing the things that they're properly required to do. And they also are obliged to make sure that the defendant is getting proper representation. And, and I assume that's something you have thought about. It is. It is. And, and I, I think having, well, to, to be a, a good superior court judge, I think it's essential that you have been in uh, a litigation practice to understand how the courts work. So you go to law college mm-hmm. at Wake Forest. Uh, you finish <clears throat> law college. What did you do after you left Wake Forest? When it was time to get out in the real world, as your parents probably said, it's time you start making some money and uh, paying your own bills. It was. I, I remember overhearing them talk one day, and they were ready for me to start paying my own bills. <laughs> uh, I wanted to come back to eastern North Carolina, and um, – John Nobles, who's a Superior Court judge, and I were a great judge. Were, Good man. He is. And we were classmates in law college and friends. And he had come home one weekend back to Carteret County and had been someplace, and we came back to Winston. We'd, we'd stayed in Winston that summer to study for the bar exam. When he came back, he said, look, have you found a job you want? I said, well, I got one available, but it's not really what I'm looking for. And he suggested I contact a fellow named Deck Ward. <laughs> who was the lawyer here in Newton? He said he talked to Deck. They were interested in hiring someone, possibly. So I came down here and interviewed with Deck and his dad, Al Ward, and uh, accepted an offer from them and have been here ever since, since 1977. Now, Al Ward, wasn't he the longtime city attorney? He was the city was. attorney. And they, they, uh, their office was located <clears throat> downtown across from the old uh, Athens, as it's called now. It was the Kehoe Movie Theater when right. I was a kid here. Where, where <laughs> yes. was the movie theater? In downtown Newburn? Well, there were two in downtown Newburn. Where the, the Athens Playhouse is now? Yeah. That was the Kehoe. The folks named Kehoe owned it. Uh, and uh, when I first started going there, they changed the name to the Tron, I think. So but, you'd uh, go there and watch your silent films on the oh, weekends? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Charlie Chaplin and the whole works. Yeah, exactly. I'm the sorry. Old, I'm uh, sorry. Yeah, when we, when we finally got rid of the wagon and got a Model T, you know, we put her in the thing. There was actually another uh, where the Branches store is on Pollock Street yeah. was the Colonial Theater. That was the theater. There were three. You had the Masonic Theater, which is a movie theater. The Kehoe, later Tron, 
and then the Colonial, uh, which probably closed in the early mid-60s. Honest God, that must have been something to see. Oh, it was. It was. Well, you know, the interesting thing is they all had air conditioning. And that's why he'd go. Well, yeah, because air conditioning wasn't very common around here. Shoot, I was a teenager when we got our first air conditioning in our house. It was one of those big units about the size of a Cadillac that you put in one window. Oh, yeah. Uh, that that pretty much how, is how air conditioning started around here back in the yeah but it was so you go to the movies in the in the dead of the summer it'd be packed people in there just trying to cool mm-hmm. down Josh yes sir so you start off with Deck Ward uh, at at the ward at the ward law mm-hmm. firm over there what 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 was your practice it was a very general practice at, at that time a lot of times if you're a young lawyer. <laughs> You weren't as specialized as you are today. You came in, you did some of everything. I represented the city in um, uh, unfit dwelling actions, in uh, nuisance abatement suits. And still some, going on in the <clears throat> newspaper today. Yeah. Still going on yeah. big. In, in some civil rights actions. Uh, I, I you know, had a criminal practice, uh, domestic law with deck. Uh, did real estate, did very simple wills and corporate matters. It was a, a little bit of everything. Very diverse. <coughs> yeah, I mean, I it, it was, and I think that's one thing that's helped prepare me to be a superior court judge because, I mean, I used to search my own titles in real estate. So I understand land title cases. I understand boundary line divisions. I, uh, <coughs> I'd litigate uh, validity of will, so I already bring an understanding of that to the bench. So from that time to now, you've been practicing how many years? 39. 39 years. Yeah, this month makes 39. All right, and, here, and here's the big question that we asked Robert McAfee last time. <coughs> Sorry, I got the allergies. You have a successful practice. You've been doing it a long time. What in the world makes you want to switch over and, and run for um, Superior Court judge this time? Well, you know, it, it, it's something I had considered for, for time to time for years. It's like this. You know, as a, as a lawyer, I'd have well, a few hundred clients each year. And I could have a positive effect on their lives, hopefully. And sometimes you do. I'll always remember... Uh, a few years ago, I was into Piggly Wiggly. I noticed this guy kind of looking at me. I was wondering, what's this all about? <laughs> and then he comes up to me and said, you may not remember me, but uh, you're Josh Willie, aren't you? I said, yeah. He said, well, you know, you re- my name's so-and-so, and you represented me years ago. And I, in fact, remembered him at that point. And he said, you know, I was on my way to prison. Uh, the type of life I was living, and you represented me, and you worked hard, and things turned out okay, and that's been a real life changer for me because I've I've taken a different course in my life, and, and you know that that makes you feel good reg- as a lawyer in any profession, but as a lawyer, you only can affect so many people. As a judge, the the positive effect you can have. In the community is, is magnified because you deal with so many more people. You know, it, it's so crucial in this country that people respect the rule of law. Good lawyers help foster that respect. Good judges uh, can have uh, a much wider 
effect on fostering respect for the rule of law and on assuring that we remain a, 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 a country of laws and not men. Uh, but like I say, so I, I thought about it from time to time, and it, it in recent years it hadn't seemed to be an opportune time to to make the change. I don't think we've had a, a vacancy for about ten years. Now. A little that bit was, more than that. I mean, it, uh, Ken Crow was elected in in uh, two thousand two, uh-huh. and as I recall, there was a vacancy then, and there were three or four judges who ran. He and Judge Alford and. Judge, I, I, was it Judge Reagan? Yeah, Judge Reagan and Carl, Carl Tillman. Tillman. All right, right. And I don't remember if John Nobles was in that election or not, but it, bottom line is it, it's not been a vacant seat in close to 15 years. And uh, Well, that uh, let me stop you there for a minute, Josh. That is a, that's a very good point in, in the public realizing how important this election is mm-hmm. for this judgeship because – they're eight-year terms. That's correct. There hasn't been a new face on the bench for 15, mm-hmm. about 15 mm-hmm. years. So uh, it, it, as we've emphasized, one of the reasons for doing these programs is to let the public know, even though it's a down-ballot race. You like that phrase, don't no, you? No, I don't like down-ballot race. I think this is one of the – look, I believe that I believe that all politics is local. I think if you, true, really, true. If you really want to make a difference in, in your world – you know – this, this Trump guy and this Hillary um, lady, they're going to go off and they're going to do what they want to do. But think about how many things – think about how many things the president actually affects in your daily life. Not much. You know, maybe globally, but think about how many things local politicians, local judges, local leaders have on the direct effect on your life. A local judge, a, a superior court judge, you have a – you have a property line ba- uh, boundary uh, you know, dispute. You have a contract dispute. You have – God forbid, and one of the big problems in, in eastern North Carolina and the country now is is the rampant um, drug problem that's Heroin, going on. Heroin, prescription drugs. So, and yeah. whether, whether you're middle class, upper class, you know, p- poor, what, working, whatever, chances are in your lifetime someone you know is going to get touched by this drug problem in a bad way. And these are the things that really matter in our lives, safety. Uh, safety versus compassion. How do we how do we treat these things? And so down ballot. And the reason I really don't like that down ballot is because these are the races that make a difference in our lives. David. These are the people that you run into at Walmart and Lowe's and see on the street every day. And just like as as an example we used last week, it is a superior court judge who made the decision about whether or not the city would be allowed to tear down the uh, old uh, Days Inn. And I still, yeah, and I still haven't heard what what's going on with that. I've been asking. I still haven't heard what's going on with that. We'll have to follow yeah, up with we'll that. Have, yeah, we will. But uh, but that uh, is is judicially one of the most important positions. So so if you're at home, up. if you're at home and you're listening to this, or you're on Facebook and you're listening to this, and you say, "Well, I don't know much about who should I vote for? Who what what what's this judge race all about? Why should I care? Why should I care about it, Josh? Why should people care about this race?" Because it is the race that is going to have more personal effect probably on the people in this county than the other races, you know. And and, and it's, it's difficult running for judge because the Code of Judicial Conduct prohibits us from talking specifically about issues that so many people are interested in. Like somebody wants to know, well, how do you feel about the Second Amendment or how do you feel about abortion? 
a candidate for running for judgeship cannot take a position. We're, correct? we're pretty much muzzled in that respect. We really are. And so as, you sh- as, as they well should be. Yeah. And, and that, I mean, that's a, a big difference between the, the, the state system and the federal system. Of course, all your federal judges are appointed and so many of them are given kind of a litmus test as to whether you meet certain criteria that the prevailing party would would affirm your nomination. And, of course, in, in state court, we, we do not have that. But we uh, expect every judge to look at every case, case individually and rule in that case based on the facts, the law, application of the law to the facts in that particular case. Correct? That's, that's true. I mean, every judge in this state takes the same oath of office, whether you're the chief justice of the state Supreme Court or whether you're a magistrate. You promise to treat people fairly to feed everybody out of the same spoon regardless of who they are, what they are, who their lawyer is. You treat each person that comes into your courtroom the same. You promise not to be a crook. I mean, and that sounds kind of silly, but basically what it's saying is you aren't going to take money or favors from from anyone while you're serving as a judge because it, it could affect your decision, or at least it's going to give the appearance of doing that. And if people have the appearance, if a judge has the appearance of not being fair, it, it diminishes respect for the rule of law. And then finally, you promise, I'm going to apply the law with this state, whether I agree with it or not. If it's the law, it's the law. You apply it to everybody. You give everybody the benefit of the same constitutional protections that every other citizen's entitled to. One of the, one of the questions we asked uh, Robert McAfee last week was, uh, who are... Who are some of your um, the, the the judges that you respect? Not you know they could be federal, they could be local, they could be. Who are the judges you respect and and um, and, and why? I know we're not allowed to ask you how you'd follow, you know, and that's why Dave's here because I re- yeah. David he, I re- while he's thinking about that, I really do think it's tough. Sabrina said, "Look, you sit very close to Lee." <laughs> Listen to everything he says. <laughs> she actually called in from Italy, Sabrina, telling David to make sure. But no, it's it's tough to distinguish yourself when I you're like not. Be, like, I like being the principal. You know, yeah. I got my bad student. Oi vey, oi vey. So, so who you know, um, you know, we asked Robert that same question. So, what? Who are the some of the people that you would uh, think of as, as judicial icons? Scalia. I mean, he was a. Uh, 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 a constitutional conservative. In other words, he had a conservative view of the Constitution. He was, I guess the term is originalist. He, he tried to interpret the Constitution uh, as it was originally drafted. Everybody thinks him being a real conservative judge, but ironically, because of his construction of the con- interpretation of the Constitution, a lot of the deci- his decisions were very favorable to uh, criminal defendants at times. I mean, he called it like he saw it. That was Supreme Court Justice yes. Scalia that died earlier Right. This year. You know, as far as state court judges, I, I don't want to name names, but, you know, I've, I've appeared in front of hundreds of judges. Uh, I... No, I'm not talking about naming names. I'm just saying, hey, who are the who are the the? And Scalia's great. You, you pick out mm-hmm. Scalia, you say this is why I like him. But you know, you you, you look to the history. You're a, you're a, 
you're hist- you know you, you studied history, and so it's just it's just nice to know. And you even have- though we're not allowed to go, how would you you know <laughs> how would you vote? But we to know some of your influences uh, in, in your in your philosophy on things. And you have practiced in the federal courts, also. Haven't I have, you? I have indeed. Yeah, yeah. I, I, just criminal or criminal? No, no. I've I've done uh, civil also. I was involved in a, a verdict of over a million dollars in a, a, a motorcycle wreck case in in federal court here in Newburgh. Hopefully, that was ago. on your favor. You were the plaintiff's yeah. attorney. I was the plaintiff's <laughs> attorney. It was, it was a young marine on a. On a motorcycle, got hit by a tractor trailer oh and uh, yeah. survived, but he had some devastating injuries. Uh, but uh, I'm sorry, ask me that question again. I'll just you know we're in 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 because and this was a this was a thing I had with Robert is we don't you know we you're not allowed to. Get you know you're not allowed to stump you're not allowed to stump in your right. position. But we want I want to make sure that folks at home know who you are. And so I'm I'm really leery about going. Hey, well, how do you feel on the the issue of rampant drugs? Or how do you feel on this issue? How do you feel on that issue? So knowing knowing some of your influences, knowing the people that you that you that you idolize or not idolize, but people you respect in, in the judiciary, kind of gives the folks at home. Uh, an idea of who you are. And Scalia, who was a strict constructionist, uh, strict constructionist. I mean, and, and there's a lot of different ways of, of looking at the Constitution. You have your strict constructionists on one side, and you also have your, your your judicial legislators on the other side. And, you know, there's somewhere in the middle of there, because the, the Constitution itself is what color? It's gray. It, you know, you can. You well, that, that, that's the reason that it has survived all these years, is it's somewhat malleable within limits. You know, it stretches. Mm. If it were so fixed, it would not have survived because times do change. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you have to interpret. the. the it, to me, it's incredible, though, that it is capable of surviving the changes that have occurred since it's written. Imagine that when that Constitution was written, it was quill pens and horseback. <clears throat> You know, now we've got the the internet, the information age. You talked about this last week. When we were in law school, we had to go research cases. You had to do it the old-fashioned way with the card index in the library, and you had to look up cases and keywords. Pull down books. Pull down books, and maybe you might go pull three cases, and none of them actually applied. Then when you finally found a case, you had to shepherdize that case mm-hmm. and go read those other cases, which may or may not be applicable because the case – you know, might have five or six different issues in it, and you may be interested in one particular issue. So, your this case you, that you want may be mentioned in several cases, but you gotta it take hours to do that. Now you can sit there with a laptop and do it in minutes. And that constitution is still workable; it's still a usable instrument in the information age, in the uh, communication age. Absolutely, and 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 that's that's the interest for folks at home. That's the interesting thing about what David and I do, and what Josh has done for the past thirty nine years is, is. All right, there's this dusty old constitution sitting up in Washington in the archives somewhere. But yeah. living, breathing on a daily basis, when it comes to your lives, if you have an interaction with the law, either on the civil side or on the criminal side, we reference that document in whatever whatever. Living, breathing order it's in, and then we go to a judge and say, "Hey, who's who's right? Who's right? We have these laws now. Who's right?" Well, you know, if 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 people do not honor and respect the Constitution, we either end up with anarchy or a dictatorship. 
I mean, that, that's the two ways the country goes because the, the Constitution uh, laid out the, the blueprint, so to speak, for our form of government. But let, let me go back. You were asking about lawyers that I thought were particularly inf- influential. And uh, probably the, one of the most influential to me was John Adams. Y'all remember John Adams. I mean, he was a colleague of Thomas Jefferson and George Washington and Benjamin Franklin and Patrick Henry and, and that whole group of guys that founded this country. Well, he was a lawyer in Boston, Massachusetts. Before the revolution, there was civil unrest, kind of like we see in some areas today. And um, some British sh- soldiers fired upon a crowd of protesters. And, of course, everybody's ready to lynch the British soldiers. And they were, Britain was not popular here then. We were on the verge of a revolution with them. And despite that, John Adams risked his good name, risked his reputation, maybe even risked his life to give those people good, adequate representation. And, and that's the responsibility of an attorney, regardless of who your client is, to, to do the best you can for them and give them the benefit of every bit of work and every bit of knowledge you can put into the case. Tell me, you know, when I jumped to, <clears throat> keep going, keep going. I jumped ahead a little bit, but tell me, uh, you came to Newburn because we do jump around a little yeah. bit. Yeah. You notice that. Yeah, we're disjunctive, <laughs> but hey, we're disjunctive. Yeah, this linear. is a well-planned out organization, correct? Are you kidding me? This is, this is exactly what we need to be doing right now. Uh, you right, Daryl? Yes. Because I'll forget this if I don't ask you now. You came to Newman as a single man. That's true. Okay, and then tell us about what happened. Well, I met Denise Gaskins then, uh, uh, who was a, a, a Newburn native. She had spent her childhood here, graduated from one of the first classes at West Craven High School. Uh, where was where was she raised? Where was her family? Uh, she lived in Coe City until she was about in the eighth grade. Well, they they were in Tennessee uh-huh. for her early years because her dad was going to a Bible college there. I see. And then when they came back, uh, they came to Coe City. She was there to about the eighth and ninth grade, and then they moved to to Arnold. So she was raised in Craven County. Oh yeah, Arnold. yeah. And anyway. Uh, uh, fell in love with her, got married 33 years ago. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we hope you're correct on I that. I do, so, too, because yeah. she, she's probably oh, who's counting? Who's counting? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, and raised my family here. You, you know, have been, children? Have one. Have a daughter, Catherine, who lives in California. Okay. Lawyer? No, she, she'd make a great lawyer, but she is an aspiring actress. Great. Uh, <clears throat> which means... Uh, you're footing the bill still. She's still on her dad's <laughs> payroll at times. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> no, well, hey, we're gonna. We're Daryl's gonna take us into a break. Um, I'm gonna go get a, a cough drop or something, and we're gonna come back and we're gonna. Oh, you have them right over there. Yeah. Always prepared. We'll be right back on City Talk with Sabrina and Lee. The Baker's Kitchen, located at 227 Middle Street in downtown New Bern, is the best destination in New Bern where you can have breakfast all day. The Baker's Kitchen has everything to satisfy your hunger, 
from delicious omelets, pancakes, eggs, grits, gravy, and our signature best French toast in town, all of our items are baked fresh every day. Try our homemade pies, cookies, muffins, breads, and our delicious cinnamon rolls. Stop by and let our friendly staff serve you. The Baker's Kitchen, open Sunday through Thursday, 7 a.m. to 2.30 p.m., and Friday and Saturday, 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. The Baker's Kitchen at 227 Middle Street in downtown Newburn. Your place to go for breakfast all day, the best French toast in town, and your home for home cooking away from home. North Carolina is an incredibly beautiful state. Every corner offers awesome vistas and beautiful architecture. It is a state that deserves our honor and respect. So let's get serious about not trashing our treasure. It is not hard to properly dispose of fast food containers, soda bottles, and even cigarette butts in a trash container and not out a car window. I'm Charlie Rose. North Carolina is my home state, and motorists like me should be able to drive safely. We shouldn't have to worry about a plastic bag blowing onto our windshields or having to dodge a box that's fallen onto the highway. North Carolina spends millions in tax dollars each year removing roadside litter. We can do better. Dispose of trash the right way. It's not hard. Join us in spreading the word about litter-free NC, because a clean state is a safer state. Please. Don't trash our treasure. This is Lieutenant Jeff Gordon with the State Highway Patrol. This message is brought to you by the North Carolina Department of Public Safety in this station. Join Toyota of Newburn for MumFest October 8th and 9th in historic downtown Newburn. This weekend's celebration will feature the high-flying X-Pogo Extreme Pogo Team, the Bud Light Beer Garden, the Purina Daredevil Dog Team, the Gardens at Tryon Palace, Plus, musicians, food, amusement rides, and entertainment galore. Kick off the weekend Friday night with the Bojangles Mumfest kickoff concert on the South Lawn of Tryon Palace with Eric Paslet. Come and enjoy Mumfest in beautiful, historic downtown Newburn. 252 Radio is a proud sponsor of Mumfest. MomFest is sponsored by Toyota of Newburn, the North Carolina Education Lottery, Wells Fargo, the Galley Store and Marina, Carolina East Health System, WITN, and Biomark Advertising. MomFest, October 8th and 9th in downtown Newburn. Learn more at MomFest.com. WNOS, 107.5 FM, 1450 AM, Newburn, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Hey, <laughs> welcome back to Newburn, taking you through the night. Hey, you are back live on City Talk with Lee and Sabrina today, uh, being co-hosted uh, by David McFadden. Um, so we're going to welcome him. We're going to be back next week with Sabrina Bengal uh, and, and getting back into the hard-hitting issues that you care about in Newburn or don't care about or just want to listen to us go on and on and on. This morning, we have the second part of our two-part uh uh, coverage of the Superior Court election in the judicial, uh, the 3B Judicial District. Last week we had Robert McPhee on, candidate for Superior Court Judge. This week we have Josh Willey on, um, learning all about him. Uh, we just talked about his background, his education, where he went to school, Wake Forest guy, Wake Forest guy. Demon Deacons. Demon Deacons. And the Deacons are doing good this year. 4 <laughs> 0, rolling into Raleigh Whoa. Saturday to play the Wolf Pack. Really? 
Yes, sir. Uh, that's going to be a lovely game, and I'm, I'm sure we'll get that right here on ESPN. Do we get that on ESPN? Um, ESPN mm-hmm. Greenville, you right. get that. So we're back, and we wanted to we wanted to talk. There's two there's two other areas that we really want to talk about. Um, one is uh, your community involvement. Um, you know how how important is that? How involved have you been in the community? The second thing we want to learn about is this is is it weird campaigning? It's uh, you know you're out there campaigning, and we're talking Three about counties. It. we're yeah. talking we're talking about it off the air. Uh, we're talking about it off the air. You're count you're campaigning in Pamlico. Craven and Carteret, and yet you can't go out and stump for any particular issue. So uh, uh, how's the campaigning process been for you? Well, it's been interesting, obviously. I mean, it's difficult to, to campaign as a judge because, like I mentioned before, the Code of Judicial Conduct prohibits us from from talking about specific issues. And, and when you introduce yourself to a voter and start talking to them, a lot of times they want to hear about issues, and it's a, you know, some folks think you're trying to be evasive if you say, well, no, I can't talk about HB2, or I, I can't talk about the death penalty, or I can't talk about whether incarceration or rehab is, is best for, for drug addicts and, and drug dealers. I mean, it's, it, it really makes it difficult, uh, to distinguish yourself from other candidates, it's a nonpartisan race, so it's it's not like people can look at the ballot and and make some judgment based on on a party basis for you. Uh, it's really been a matter of just trying to get out and meet people at public events, go door to door. You know, we, we've got festival season coming up here in eastern North Carolina, which will be a lot of fun. Get to see a lot of, uh, a lot of potential voters. We got the seafood festival in Moorhead this weekend and then the Mum Fest next weekend in Newburn and then the Chili Festival the following weekend. And have lot. And have lot. What, what kind of things have you been doing to get out and meet people? Uh, just go to civic events. For example, they had an open house at the uh, or a job fair down at Pamlico Community College uh, one day this week, maybe Tuesday. Uh, I, I go there. Uh, I, I go to political party functions and speak to people there. Uh, yeah, just go to chamber as, events. As I said last week, as Pete Bland, the retired sheriff, said, when two or more gather, you need to be there. And, you know, you don't think about it. It's a three-county race. Carteret County, from Cedar Island to Cedar Point, is about 70 miles. One end to the other, from Cedar Island mm-hmm. to Cedar Point, 70 miles. That's a lot of territory to cover. Pamlico County is a small rural county. Uh, Craven County, the same way. So you really, since you cannot take positions, since you can't run advertisements and say, these are the things I'll do if you elect me, it would seem that one of the things that you really have to do is get out and try to do the face-to-face yeah. meeting of people and say, this is who I am, this is, this is the person I am. You, you really do. I mean, it's no, no substitute for that, but with a three-county district, you, you can't touch everybody's hand. You know, but it does pay off. I mean, my Facebook, I, I was going down on Spencer Avenue Sunday afternoon uh, going door-to-door, and I talked to a fellow for a while, and I didn't know that I was making a, a very good depra- impression on him. And then I look at my Facebook page first of the week, and it 
he's there. He said, you know, this guy came came to my house yesterday to talk to me. I've got a good feeling about him. So you just never yeah. know. I mean, I Sunday I, w- I went to a neighborhood picnic that I found out a neighborhood was having. Uh, I, I went to Kidsville because where are their kids, their parents, and uh, uh, just try to see as many people as you can and talk to them and let them know what sort of person you are. And that that's part of the reason I think community involvement is important. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure how much community involvement uh, Robert's had. It may be extensive. I'm just saying I, I do not know. But I've, to, to me, to be a good Superior Court judge, you have to be involved in the community. You have to be a good people person. have to be able to relate to people and understand the people that come in front of you. Uh, I have, I've tried, you know, I had a, a professor in law college and always said the law was a jealous mistress. And, and that's true, because if you're a good law, you're going to work at, work at your profession an awful lot of hours. But still, community involvement is so important. What kind of things have you been doing out in the community? <clears throat> well, I've, I've been a member of First Presbyterian Church since, uh, since my wife, we got married there, since before we got married. I grew up Methodist, she grew up Baptist, and we, Compromise. Compromise in Presbyterian, I guess. That's a beautiful, uh, beautiful church downtown. Oh, my goodness. What a prettiest church is in there. And, has, uh, the, uh, has the pulpit mm-hmm. that's raised. Oh, yeah. Like I, I always think of that as being kind of a New England style, having the raised pulpit. And it's interesting, the people that, that, uh, that formed the church, uh, a number of them were African Americans. It was African American and, and uh, uh, the, the, the Caucasian white settlers came together to form that church but i've have you been involved in the church other than just being a member just being a member i've uh-huh. never been a deacon or elder or anything of of that nature uh i've uh, been active in the newburn historical society more so years ago i was asked to serve on the board served on the board a number of years newsom williams wanted to come off as president i was uh uh Asked to serve as president. I did that for two or three terms. You uh, participated in Ghost Walk one year, as I recall. I did. I did. Were you a ghost? Yes, he was. Walking through the cemetery, we come up there, and here's a Civil War soldier. And as he began to speak, he was in uniform. I said, I recognize that Southern uh, Virginia, Northern North Mm -hmm. Carolina accent. I was. He was a ghost. It was before they started using professional, semi-professional actors. At, <laughs> at that point, they'd take who they could get, and, and that was me. But I, the ghost walk's coming up again, isn't it? It is. Uh, sure is. Yeah, and that's always another exciting event. That uh, Last time we went was about five years ago when my son got scared to death in that cemetery. And we had been back. <laughs> He's 13 now. Maybe uh, maybe he'll be better. Hopefully but, but, so, but that's a great part of the ghost walk. But in any event, I was active for a number of years in, in the Historical Society. I've remained a member. Uh, you live in the Historical I District? I do, do live on Johnson Street in the Historical District. I've lived in the Historic District since probably 83. I was on Metcalf Street and then moved over to Johnson. Uh, you know, my wife and I, Denise and I, received an extended service award from the Historical Society back in, I guess, late 90s, early 2000s. Um, I currently serve in the Newburn Housing Authority. Uh, I've done that for a couple of years now. Um, and in 2000, I was elected by the lawyers of this district to represent them as their counselor on the North Carolina State Bar. The State Bar is the... Uh, 
regulates the practice of law in this state. We are responsible for uh, uh, trying to prevent unauthorized practice of law, establishing rules of ethical conduct for lawyers, uh, dealing with grievances or complaints about lawyers. Uh, I did that for 10 years. Uh, we have term limits. I stopped doing that. And then the state bar appointed me to serve on the disciplinary hearing commission, uh, which is the we sit in three judge panels on that, two lawyers and one lay person, and hear serious complaints of, of, against lawyers that could result in disbarment or suspension of their license. And there certainly are, as, as we follow uh, every every year, there are a number of attorneys who are sanctioned, some <clears throat> whose licenses are revoked for misdeeds. Oh, yes. The, the first panel I chaired was... Uh, Bill Belk's case. Bill was with the Belk family from Charlotte, had been a district court judge. Got uh, a lot of media attention about his activities. It did. I remember our yeah. clerk called me and said, Josh, I'm, I didn't mean to put you in the middle of this, but we have all these news people that want to be there. I said, Fine. Very high profile. It was. It was real as, high as profile. As I recall, he was an attorney, but uh, he had a what he believed to be a bad decision in the domestic <clears throat> case and decided to spend his small fortune and elect himself as a judge. That's exactly what happened. What? And, and yes. <clears throat> he, he, was, uh, he was mad over how the judge had ruled in his domestic case, so he used his family name and his family fortune to get himself elected. And uh, Well, it, it speaks for itself. I mean, it was covered in the media extensively. And, and, and that, that, that was my first experience chairing a panel. With the discussion, uh, coming up because we we've got like maybe eight minutes left. Okay. Coming up, um, we've got what uh, maybe what is it about a month, um, a little mm -hmm. over a month to go before the election. Folks want to come out and see you. Where? How can they get in touch? Where are you going to be? Where can they meet you? Where are you going? Well, the next three weekends, I'm going to be at, at uh, uh, festivals. Festivals. Do you have a? Are you going to have a booth at the Mum Fest? Or I do have. I will have a booth at the Mum Fest. I do not have a, a booth at the other two. Uh, the other two festivals, but I do at the Mum Fest. Where, where's your booth going to be? Because the Mum Fest is huge, and, and we want people to have an opportunity to find you. They've not told me yet. I what? Got, <laughs> I got an email yesterday saying today or tomorrow they would let us know uh, where our booth was. But So I, I, I don't know. I have a Facebook page, Josh Willie for Superior Court Judge. Uh, so people can contact you. Yeah, they, they, on they that can Facebook contact page. me through that. Uh, uh, you know they can they can call my cell phone six six seven zero six eight three seven my office six three eight eleven eleven. But I'm gonna be moving around a lot the next next. Uh, and you have next a Facebook page, obviously. What's your Facebook page? Uh, Josh Willie for Superior Court Judge. There you go. Hey, Daryl just brought in a clarification on the Wake Forest versus NC State. Mm -hmm. You want to you uh, listen to the Wake Forest versus NC State. It's going to be broadcast on both ESPN Newburn 103.9 FM, and right. ESPN Greenville, 1570 AM. So uh, I imagine you're going to be tuned into that game as well. Well, I may <laughs> still be at the Seafood Festival that be time of day. You'll be working. I think I will, I, I will be, I'll be trying babies. to meet, meet some folks from eastern North Carolina that I don't already know. Very uh, good. And, you know, it, it's... You were talking about dying, dying ballot uh, candidates. We are. I mean, we're on the second page 
of the ballots. So people probably are, above the water and sewer soil conservation page. We, we, that's <laughs> maybe. That's, yeah. That, oh, I don't think they're even up for election. We are ahead of district court judges, and that's all the judges, the, the local judges at the very bottom. So you have to kind of wade through the whole. Whole uh, whole ballot to get well, to well, us. The only thing I want to tell people is, you know, we say down ballot. We say down ballot. I know both you and Robert McAfee. I know both of you to be uh, consummate professionals. I know that I know that you both work your your tails off. I know that um, that people need a chance to meet you guys. I mean, and you know, you, you go over it. This week was admin court day in Superior Court. Um, Judge Alford was up there changing changing lives. Every day, Absolutely. and it's, it's tough. Being a judge is tough, grueling work, day in and day out. You're up making there. decisions that affect people's lives, tough, taking away their liberty. Work. And sure. you guys out there, not only you know your superior court judges, but some of the other candidates out there, look at them as well. We're here for superior court judges, but it really makes that much difference in your life. Don't don't believe it doesn't. Um, and as we said last week, and we certainly want to emphasize, uh, we were. Happy to have Robert last week. We're happy to have you this week. Uh, we don't want anybody to make any interpretation that Lee and I have endorsed any particular Who candidate. Who are we voting for? Huh? Huh? There you go. There you go. There you go. But no, we're blessed to have two very good candidates. We're blessed to have two very good candidates. And, uh, you know, having Robert on last week with his perspective and having you on this week with your perspective, you can go back and listen to last week's show. Listen to this one along with it. We're going to be rebroadcast tonight on this station at 5 o'clock from 5 to 6. Um, it will be up on uh, the City Talk uh, Facebook page, so go up to the City Talk Facebook page. Look and, at Roberts. Look at yours. Back to back. And, you know, Lee, this is groundbreaking for you guys because I don't ever remember a judge race, judge's race before uh, exactly like this where you've had the two candidates have an opportunity to come in. Now, that's happened at the district court level, but not at the superior court I, level. I think that's right. And, you know, what I tell people, if they want to know about the type of lawyer I've been, about the type of person I've been, about the values I have. The best way to find that, I, everybody knows somebody that works in the court system. And I've been there for 39 years. And so I just encourage people to talk to other lawyers, people that work in the clerk's office, law enforcement, judges. Judges can't actively campaign for you, but I feel sure they tell folks in a private conversation how they feel. So I just encourage voters to do that. All right, good, 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 good. Well, hey, look, you've wasted another perfectly good hour talking to. <laughs> talking. Oh, that's from Car Talk. Click and clap. Exactly. One God, of my favorite shows. Another, yeah. Even though I've heard them all a hundred times, you know, one of the brothers passed away, and they're playing the reruns. One of the brothers passed away uh, about a year or so ago. Yeah. Oh, good God so Almighty! I didn't know that because these are reruns. Well, <laughs> then, I can, then we can steal this, and they won't care. We've wasted another perfectly good hour listening to us here on City Talk. Uh, hopefully that. Hopefully you learned a lot. We've got one minute left, uh, Josh. I'm going to give you the last thirty seconds. Make a pitch. Tell people why you should be judge. I think I have the breadth of experience, the respect for the constitutional rule of law, and the, the, the people skills to, to best service a superior court judge. All right. There you go. There you go, folks. Um, uh, tell everybody to go to Facebook. City Talk Facebook will do it. Dave, what are you doing this weekend? Get out and vote. Get out and vote. That's the yes, most. Get out and we, vote. We forgot to say that, didn't Get we? Get out and vote. You know, try to try to make yourself study your candidates for all offices, mm -hmm. but 
regardless of who you vote for, make sure you're registered and get out and exercise that vote. Because if you don't vote, you can't complain about it. We'll be back. You know, you can't. Uh, well, you still can, but it doesn't make as much a difference. We'll be back <laughs> next week with Sabrina Freshen from Hey, I've had Tuscany. a great time, Lee. Thanks David, thank you me. so much. Thank you so much for babysitting these last two weeks. David, thanks for having Josh, me. Josh, thank you thank for having Josh. me. Sir. And we'll see you on the sidewalks, Daryl. Down to the minimum. Have faith or pandemonium.